Are You Data Smart? A weekly podcast on data security, information management, and all things related to the data you have, how to protect it, and maximize its value. I'm Jay Ward. And I'm Christian Ward. Today we're going to tackle the three pillars to GDPR. Uh, three keys, three H1 tags, I don't really care what you call it. The three most important things um, that I think, honestly, Jay, a lot of people are writing about and talking about. Um, we, we, we've pegged them as transparency, security, and consistency. And we're going to walk through each of these. We're also going to uh, make sure that we're blogging about them at wardpllc.com uh, each of the next several days uh, just to sort of send off uh, the, uh, the the voyage of GDPR uh, on a, um, a well-christened uh, voyage. So uh, as we approach that, Jay, let's let's jump in right away in terms of, you know, sort of thinking about transparency, because there is a lot of uh, miscommunication right now regarding privacy policies, what's out there, what have people really updated. I think a lot of companies in the United States don't really even know if they need to make updates. I cannot tell you how many new privacy policy notifications I've gotten in the last 16 hours alone. It is blowing my mind. I want to, I want to like clip them all and do sort of the, um, you know, what, what's that meme where it's like, you know, the, the, the guy walking with the girl and then he looks back at the other girl <laughs> who looks exactly like that girl. And, and it's like your old privacy policy and your new privacy policy, because in yeah. some ways they're identical anyway. Um, I just actually, keep thinking of the exhibit, you know, I heard you like privacy policies, so I put a privacy policy in your privacy policy. Yes, it's uh, it's it's a little disturbing. So I will put that into one of our blog posts shortly because that is rather funny. But let's talk about, you know, so starting with transparency, like g- give me some of the thoughts you have around not just, you know, privacy policies, which need a massive overhaul, but but why and how does GDPR really drive us there? Well, I'll tell you that I've, I've looked at, I guess, you know, maybe one or two privacy policies. Um, and in the course of doing so, um, I've noticed a trend, which is there was like a a period in 2008 when privacy policies were revised and just everybody copied them. They all looked the same. You could run a red line and the difference would basically be, you know, the name of the company and the address and pretty much everything else would be the same. Even when there was stuff that made no sense, like you'd have a retail store talking about, you know, getting disclaimers for using helicopters. It, it was it was ridiculous. Um, it was that sort of shortcut thinking, copy-paste stuff that first-year lawyers do that drives everybody crazy. So it was um, like the, 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 the MS Word paperclip popped up at the bottom of the screen. Yeah, it's it like, looks hey, like you're writing a privacy it, policy. It looks like you're writing a privacy policy. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's... Clippy. Uh, yes. Yeah, Clippy's had a resurgence <laughs> as a meme himself, actually. I know. Um, I'm happy for him. He was the he, first AI. You know, he needs it. You know, he really deserves some credit. Um, but you get this... You, now we've got this second tranche of um, of privacy policies coming out, and I actually see a divergence. There seems to be two kinds. There's the one that looks very different that says we use your personal information we use it so that we can improve our service so that we can communicate with you so that we can make our products better and we share it with these people here's why we share it with these people here's what we're going to do with it you don't have to allow us to do that if you want to object you can do x y or z contact us here call us here Um, and it's very straightforward and layered and that's what a GDPR compliant privacy policy is about. 
The second type that I've seen looks exactly like the old ones. It's about 20 pages long <laughs> in nine-point font. Um, there's wherefores and heretofores, and, you know, it's like Ben Affleck, you know, you suspect. It's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> um, and there's no difference. And that's going to come across the desk of a, a data protection authority in Brussels or Dublin or London, and they're going to say, uh, no, I don't think so. I didn't like uh, Goodwill Hunting. So you can't you can't do the same thing that we were doing before the GDPR and expect that it's going to work. So the, the reason for that is because the GDPR's approach to all of this is enforcing transparency. And, and we've blogged about this and talked about this before. The, the data protection authorities, the regulators themselves have said that transparency is the most important principle that they're going to be looking for when they're making their enforcement priorities. They're going to look to see if you're telling the truth about what you're doing, if you're being straightforward and clear about what you're doing. Because there's no way for a data subject to exercise her rights if she doesn't know what data is being collected and why. So, yeah, but uh, uh, let me stop you. Because the reality is, is so I just made the joke earlier of, um, you know, I've gotten a thousand of these notices. I guarantee everyone listening is getting them as well. So you're getting all these notices. I'm not reading them. I mean, I get it. You're a lawyer. You have to at some point, but I, I'm not. And and so the, the regulatory authority is saying we now have to disclose what you're gathering, why you're gathering, and how you're going to use it. How do you see that playing out? Is that that, you know, 50 people get together and decide to bring a class action suit because they think that you're using their 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 uh, health Fitbit, you know, Garmin type of tracking data in a way you shouldn't? What? How do you see this actually coming to fruition where these new regulations do in fact make a change? I see it as being sort of a dual approach. There's the top-down approach, which is the enforcers are going to look to see if companies are obeying these requirements. They are going to be making sure that there's nothing that appears in public, there's nothing that you've done, there's been no breach that triggers uh, a finding that you were engaged in um, you know, non-transparent activities. But even more than that, it's really about the threat of that happening. The threat of 4% of annual global turnover should be enough, or in, in many cases, 2% of annual global turnover. That should be enough to keep many companies in line. It's like in Star Wars, fear is going to keep many businesses in line, and it will do do so because the risks here are so serious. So that's the top down. The bottom up aspect of it is you don't know when someone's going to file a data subject access request with your company. You don't know when someone's going to file a complaint with the data protection authority and the DPAs have to act on those. They have to act on every complaint they get. Companies have to act, with some limited exceptions, on every DSAR that they get. And if it turns out that the DSAR reveals that you were processing data way beyond the scope of what you disclosed, or if the complaint reveals that you are processing data, sensitive data, without getting explicit consent, you are in for a world of trouble. So there's both the, you know, the implicit threat of enforcement um, and the, the governmental approach, and then there's what in this country we often call as private attorneys general. Like, individuals are empowered under the GDPR to be a check on what companies are doing by demanding 
their access to their data. And if you don't think there's at least one person who is a customer of every company in the world who'd be like, you know what, I'm gonna file a data subject access request, I'm feeling yeah. up to it. There's yeah. one guy who's always gonna do that. Yeah, I look. I, I think that's I think that's spot on. As, uh, you know, we talked a little bit last time about you know someone creating an app that you just enter your email address. It's sort of like the gentleman. Uh, I'm not sure if he's from Microsoft where he built the platform to check if your password um, has ever been breached by looking at your username because he can check online to see if your username was there. It's a very smart uh, solution, but it's a similar concept. It's like a do not call checklist um, and or unroll me. I we tweeted about unroll me um, a while back where it's sort of unrolling from newsletters, stuff you don't even know you're connected to. Um, but this goes so much further, you know, asking for those, those um, you know, the, the, the reports on what data someone has, I do think we're going to see mass adoption of that. I think you're going to have entire populations of people filing these through a joint website um, and, you know, not trying to give anyone ideas out there, but this is definitely going to happen if it's not already in the works. And when it does, you know, I, I think to, to your point, having a, a policy already laid out that allows for people to understand why, how, what you're using it, that is the point of the privacy policy. So we've moved away from Clippy, the MS Word uh, auto uh, privacy policy generation um, into something that really does need to state, not necessarily because everybody's going to read it up front, but surely because everyone's going to read it after the fact. Yeah, that's right. And I and you know, you're the guy you're talking about is Troy Hunt from Have I Been Pwned. Um, yeah, yeah, it's exactly it's Troy Hunt. Yeah. Absolutely. And he is he is at Microsoft. His his efforts I think really do go to the second pillar, which is security. And that that's embodied for me, I mean, pretty explicitly in Article 32 of the GDPR, which is about security of processing. And this is the one that is I've talked about this before. It's the easiest to define and the most difficult to do. Because what the requirements of Article 32 are, are you have to take into account cost, difficulty of implementation, state of the art, likelihood of risk, all of these various factors into coming up with what is the appropriate amount of security for the type of processing you're doing for the type of data you have. And that's, that's it. That's what it says. You have to do that. And that's the end. Well, that's a straightforward requirement that most people could understand. It's doing it that's going to be difficult because how do you know if your security measures were adequate enough? Yeah. Unless you've been breached, you don't. Yeah. Um, you know, there was a there was a Calvin and Hobbes when Calvin asked his dad, you know, how do they know that the weight limit on that bridge is 25 tons? And his dad says, well, they drive progressively heavier trucks over it until the bridge <laughs> collapses. And then they know that's how much the bridge can stand. Well, data security can in some ways be like that. You know, you only know how good your data security protocols are when you've either successfully repelled something, you know, by the skin of your teeth or you had a breach. Um, and that's why Mr. Al, how many licks does it take to get the center of it? Does it same, same, uh, same style, uh, that's right. uh, uh, process. How it, many know, brute force attacks does it take to crack your password? Yeah, but you know, so, and that's, that is, that is really important. It's it, look, I think, um, I, I take the perspective generally, uh, from a data, uh, background that, uh, most breaches are inevitable. Um, it's sort of like, uh, when we used to uh, teach pre-Cana classes to uh, couples that were all excited to get married. And I would kick off my session with, I'm so excited to see all these great couples here today. Please look to the couple to your left and look to your couple to your right. Say hello. And they would do it. And then I would say, if in five years, either of those couples aren't divorced, then you are. 
That's the reality. That's that's why you were about. not asked back to pre Cana, by the yeah, way. Yeah, well, it's that's like the epitome of getting out of jury duty. But anyway, yeah. the, the the point being, the statistics don't lie. Most companies, there's something like eighty something percent of companies are expecting that this is going to happen to them, or it already has happened. GDPR is obviously getting a lot of people to rush and tell the world about it before uh, the next few days, May twenty fifth. But the, my my statement would be is that. There isn't enough security in the world. You cannot stop your own employees, which I believe is probably still the most dangerous thing, is your employees walking By far. in. And, yeah, and walking out. There's nothing to stop them. Yeah. Yeah. And and look, I think that's the point, right? So any sort of regulation that says you have to have adequate or as adequate or as necessary, it's gonna look like it paled when the actual breach occurs. And they're gonna go, How come you didn't see that coming? It's just very hard to fight. I think the important thing in security here is similar to everything we talk about with regulatory authorities, is documenting your process, documenting your your system, your understanding of the risks and laying it out there. I know it sounds counterintuitive some in some some ways to say, hey, if we document all this and then it's not doesn't go exactly according to plan, but that's the world we're living in. You do need to have uh, at the very beginning of each of these discussions the the security by design or the privacy by design by taking into account um, how all these different groups interact with each other. It's not just the CTO or the CIO's decision. And what to do with the data isn't just the CDO's decision. It really has to bring all those teams together. Right. I mean, you know, if you're talking about a breach, you need to be able to identify and report an incident uh, as quickly as humanly possible. And that means down to your CSRs or the people who are working in your retail store. I mean, you need someone to educate your entire team about what it means to be GDPR compliant. And that's the security component. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it also dovetails with the consistency. And that's, I mean, that is the ultimate question here. That is the long-term You mean issue. the third pillar. Yeah, the third pillar is consistency. How are you going to do this over the course of the next 20 years? Because I can tell you it's unlikely that there's going to be as big a change in data security um, in the next 20 years as there has been with with the GDPR. I mean, the last thing we had was the privacy directive in the mid-90s, and it basically was not very effective. Um, and, you know, now we're talking no, about... those little cookie banners, they're amazing. They, I mean, they, so. think of all the lives saved. Uh, <laughs> you know, yes, I, I don't think it did enough. I am actually excited to see what e-privacy, um, you know, the regulation is now going to do. I know it was delayed, but, you know, ultimately that 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 is another good front line. I think, you know, getting that, not just a banner, but a much better understanding of what do cookies do? What are they tracking? What do you allow them to track? This is going to be that age-old discussion of, my, it's my data to some degree of about myself, my first person data, um, what I share with you, what value do you place on that? Instead of me giving it to you for free, unwittingly, unknowingly, um, now hopefully I'm going to get some information as to what you're doing with it. That's right. And ultimately, the, the critical component of consistency is that it applies at every level. You have to be consistent in implementing privacy by design. You have to be consistent, as Article 30 says, in documenting all of your processing activities. Um, you know, And that doesn't necessarily mean I need to know, you need to disclose to the public and to the regulators, you know, on this day, my team was looking at, you know, the metrics from these four call centers about how to optimize the, you know, the, the second part of the channeling function. Like that's, it doesn't have to be that granular because that doesn't mean anything. That is a good question though. So, you know, I, I work with um, a lot of different uh, analyst teams over the years. And so one thing 
is, you know, there's there's sort of record keeping, there's outlines. Um, when you're taking records in this manner, the, the question I always come to is, if we have 15 data sets, let's, let's say we're just trying to understand the responsiveness inside of a chat window um, for a customer service representative to getting to an answer or a proper disposition of a question. And there's a lot of ways to analyze that. You can do the time, you can do the semantics around the actual questions, you can try and tie it back to a knowledge base. We come at those problems probably 50 different ways in the four hours we look at the data across five analysts. What do we need to disclose there? Because there's definitely PII in there. You would be amazed at what people will tell you in a chat window. Um, and there's a lot of other things going on with that information. What what do you what do you think's fair? What 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 protects you in being consistent, but isn't so onerous to the fact that yes, it is how I'm processing it and I'm using it for a certain purpose. But is it enough for me to just say we're just trying to get to a more efficient, better customer service experience? I love that you asked a lawyer uh, a question about threading the needle. Like, what's what works in this in this particular set of <laughs> circumstances? Like, what what did you think was going Sorry. to happen here? Um, the, the answer is, of course, there's it's depends on the circumstances and the facts, and that's I think what the regulators are going to say too. You. You disclose what you're going to do to the data subjects. You explain what you're going to do to them, and that's the transparency. Um, you protect the information, and you ensure that it's not accessed by those who shouldn't access it. That's the security. And you only process the data in accord with uh, what's been disclosed and what's appropriate under the legitimate bases and the lawful bases you have for processing. That's consistency. But when it comes to disclosing what exactly it is you're doing, you need to think about all three, right? Because if what you want to do is make sure that the activities that you're engaged in are protected, you need to think about what is an honest assessment of what it is you're really doing. What am I What am I trying to do with the processing of this data? And if the answer is 10 different types of ways to optimize the call or to optimize a user experience in a chat window, if you can say, we use your data to optimize your experience in chat windows, I think that's I, that, that to me in many ways seems okay because it is it, it's an honest appraisal. It's an honest statement of what you're doing. They know the data that you've used to get there. Um, and as long as you don't start using the data now to determine you know geographic concentrations of buyers for a particular kind of direct marketing, which is outside the scope of what you've disclosed, I think you're okay. Um, it's not, yeah, but I want to do that next week. So th I was just talking about today. Yeah. So, yes, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the life of a data protection officer. That's right. That's um, right. No, so, I, look, I, I think it, y y if 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 the if the reality of it is that we're talking about as best you can, you know, um, fitting the curve and making sure that we've got enough information to protect um, customers, give a good explanation of what we're doing with the data and reporting it back, then I think that obviously makes sense. Um, yep. We're going to wrap it up there. That's 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 us talking through uh, what we would call the three pillars of GDPR: transparency, security, and consistency. Uh, we look forward to next week. We're going to dive further into. Uh, some of the concepts, uh, I want to revisit Article 22, uh, which is uh, the automatic uh, decision-making process as it relates to each of the three pillars, and look for some more articles by Jay just before May 25th um, at the wardpllc.com blog, where he's going to discuss um, each of the pillars in more depth. Thank you again for listening to Are You Data Smart? Thanks again. Thanks again.